This is Behind the Whistle. Let's get this bad boy started. You got it, Omri. Before we get started with the first episode of the Ancestor Architect podcast, I want to share something with you to make sure that we all are on the same page with our journey together. This podcast, the Ancestor Architect podcast presented by Behind the Whistle, is going to be perfectly imperfect in every way possible. We are going to make mistakes and we're cool with it. We want you to know that the sound's going to be bad at times. Sometimes the interviews are going to be muffled. But we promise you to be as authentic as possible. We will make mistakes and we understand that mistakes are good. That's where the growth is. Our intention is to inform, engage, provoke, and encourage you every step of the way. If there's something that comes up and you're offended, let me apologize right now because we probably will offend you. If we uh, don't offend you and you're encouraged, please share those thoughts with us. You can share your negative comments with us. That's the only way we're going to grow. We're not ashamed. We're not afraid. This podcast is designed to build great ancestors through discourse, solution building, and just great engagement with some awesome human beings. We're going to talk to all kinds of people about various topics Uh, including love and creating community, reading, writing, creativity, whatever it is we can find to help everybody just develop great ancestors. That's what we want to do. We understand that we are descendants of giants, and we believe that it is our job to build great ancestors. And so thank you all for joining us. We hope that you are encouraged. We hope that you enjoy this. I know I said that before and I'll say it again. We want you to be informed, encouraged, engaged, and inspired to create change wherever you are. Let's build great ancestors together. We are so excited to have Dr. Dominic Moraes from Trinity University to join us on Season Zero, Episode 1 of the Ancestor Architect podcast as we dive into this question about how we build great ancestors. We want to share this brief discussion he and I had surrounding an article from Fox News about a transgender athlete participating in a weightlifting competition in Samoa. The article was published, I believe, on July 30th. So we're going to share this brief discussion he and I had with it, and we're going to roll right into the question. How do you build great ancestors? Again, this is Dr. Dominic Moraes from Trinity University, a fantastically dynamic, insightful beacon of light. We are encouraged to have him in the building for this conversation. We hope that you grow from this conversation. If we can help you, if he can help you, please reach out. Let's get this bad boy started. All right, look. I've been sitting here relaxing, uh, trying to get my mind wrapped around what's going down uh, in the sports world. Saw an article about a transgender athlete competing in Samoa, I believe it was. It was on a Fox News article. I have a a few thoughts concerning that. I think it's absolutely amazing uh, that we're having some of these conversations. Um, 
and uh, I want to speak on a little bit. Uh, I believe the article was uh, titled Transgender Weightlifters Gold Medal Sparks New Debate. It's on Fox News if uh, you need to uh, reference it. Uh, but I just had a question, I guess maybe two uh, surrounding that situation. Uh, does creating a transgender uh, competition similar to the other uh, competitions we have, so like the wheelchair games, Paralympic games, uh, Special Olympics, does that help? Um, I mean, obviously, associating this issue uh, with those competition classifications may cause a bit of a controversy initially because people say, oh, well, why are you comparing this with the disability and blah, 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 blah. I'm not comparing uh, transgender or gender orientation uh, with any of those things. I'm just asking specifically about creating a classification so that the individuals who uh, identify in those categories can participate fully without any fear of retribution from what will be considered, I guess, mainstream uh, stream, um, athletes or uh, traditional norms. Uh, and I know that sounds strange, but I mean, that's just my thought on it. I'm just I'm asking a question. OK. Uh, and I think my question is rooted in the idea that we don't traditionally ask people to place themselves at significant competitive disadvantages. And when I read the article and it was talking about how the individual in the competition in Samoa, the weightlifter, had competed previously as a male weightlifter and then transitioned uh, to the female side, obviously, in the uh, as a transgender athlete. Again, I'm not having a conversation about that yet. We can get to that later. I just want to know your thoughts on that. I understand that gender identity is a hot topic and uh, participants have rights. I also believe that uh, Castor Semenya's uh, treatment will be misused in this context as a reference to this discussion, but her story is not the same. Um, and I want to be clear about that. And so uh, before somebody comes at me and says uh, that I'm, I'm out here offending people, let me let me say this to you. I apologize now if I offended you, but I'm not going to apologize for asking the question, because if I don't know something, I should be able to ask. I want information. I'm seeking a conversation so that I can better serve whomever it is. It comes across um my path as a coach and as an individual in uh, the sports education industry. Um, so like I said earlier, the lifter in the story uh, competed as a male in previous competitions. So in my mind, that person should therefore be treated accordingly and remain in those competitions. Uh, just a thought. Let's talk about it. I'm here. For me, you think of, say, Semenya Castor's situation in which she was limited to her, her participation was limited based on just the amount of testosterone in her blood, right? right? right. Not whether what she identified as or anything like that. Um, but I think it's also important that we look at things historically and look at kind of the roots of some of this stuff. And many would argue that um, the bodies of women have been controlled or at least there's been attempts to control women's bodies by men. Um, for years and years and years and years and years. There's a book by um, Patricia Vertinsky called Eternally Wounded Woman, in which she details how the medical profession would use, say, the women's menstrual cycles as a way to kind of control them in a lot of ways. Heavy, heavy stuff. But in a lot of ways, we kind of see the same thing going on here. So to me, I thought it was really interesting to think about um, 
I guess regulating because that's the thing is trying to regulate and making sure that you know ultimately with sports the idea is to give someone an outcome but then provide artificial limitations on that outcome right and that's what a sport is um, yet at the same time then trying to push and get every competitive edge you can right. in the face of those um, but with that in mind you know a lot of people will dope a lot of people will inject testosterone or you know try to increase it in different ways or say people that are cycling if you've seen bigger stronger faster where they talk about increasing your red blood cell count whether that's through EPO whether that's through training in Colorado Springs at higher elevation or maybe you get in trouble for actually creating your own hyperbaric chamber right um, but the same outcome happens so the same thing here it seems like the regulations, are very much testosterone levels. And so that was one thought that I had is, is there a way to ultimately allow transgender athletes to compete in the same competitions as other folks as long as we essentially just perhaps say, okay, you have to be, you know, you have to have major transition for this long to allow the body to adjust. And then once that has been made, uh, once that adjustment has been made or that time period has been satisfied, perhaps then you allow these individuals to enter. Now, granted, is that still an oppression of rights in some ways? Yeah. Um, however, I don't think you're ever going to make anyone, no one, not everyone is going to be happy in any of these situations, um, especially because you also have to keep in mind the individuals that are running this stuff, right? And that to me is where it all starts is that those individuals that are running these things are based on these like very, very Western capitalistic types of values of only having one winner, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they're not used to having this. They're not used to a, just not having just male and female, right? right? Having right. a gen, you know, having more than a gender binary or a spectrum, uh, is really, really upsetting to a lot of individuals. And so I think of that from a, like just from a from the standpoint of running an organization, and I think that already freaks people out. But you could also do it. So if you take the if you take the say strength sports like powerlifting or strongman and all that, um, it's been interesting. And I don't think that this is where any mainstream sport will go. But I mean, they got. 14 to 16 year old, 16 to 18 year old, then, you know, open category, or they have junior category, or they have masters 35 to 40, um, women, this, that, and the other. Right, so everyone gets right, a trophy, right. right? And so you can't, like, you can't, that's not how the Olympics will ever go. Simple question, right behind you. How do you build great ancestors? All right. So, um, I know you kind of asked me this a little bit before, and so it's not like this is the first time it ever it ever hit me, but one of the things that comes to my mind more than anything is this idea that um, you know that a lot of people will say, and that's that in life, the only constant is change. And I believe that if if we are to understand that i feel like so many of the issues especially generationally especially as power and money and everything is stratified stratified and as we see different you know especially if you look at history and you can see even just based on presidents right like you can see the pendulum swing right, right? um but i feel like if if we teach people that or at least try not even teach but try to encourage, try to set them up, and try to expose them, mm. right, to changes. 
especially in the form of, say, like cultural. Like at Trinity, now granted, I know Trinity is a very privileged school, but they do a really great job of saying, look, like nothing's going to teach these students about the world other than going to a different culture, right, and a travel abroad experience. Right. So right. now they look at themselves and who they are differently than they ever have. Right. And right. so that idea of trying to let folks know, like, look, like your way of life that's only yours. And granted, this goes back to what we were just talking about in regard to a postmodern society and all areas are gray, right? Like, right. is there a right or wrong? Well, there's, there's what, are, are there not, not some, tro- like, the people that do cannibalism, right? Like, that's right. like that's wrong on so many levels for so many people. Right. But is it wrong to them? Absolutely, Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And, yeah. and they think they're going to go to wherever, whatever a place like heaven looks like to them. Right. Right? Or right. whatever that is. Or... I mean, what we had like suicide to the to the church to the Catholic Church means never going to heaven. Whereas right. what suicide for the Japanese like World War Two, boom, boom, boom. Like I'm doing this for honor. This is exactly right. what I should be doing. Right, like a key to the gate. Yeah. Right. And so with that in mind, that it's like it doesn't change much more than that. Then to me, I think that builds empathy. Okay. Um, you see others, like, you see others, right? Like see in a very figurative sense of seeing who they are, seeing where they come from, understanding, really understanding people more than anything. Because I, I believe that, I believe that the world is socially constructed. Like this is a microphone I'm talking into and it's made with all these parts, but it doesn't have meaning. I don't know what to do with it unless we knew as humans, right? Whatever, you know, MC was on the mic that day, right? <laughs> right so, right. um, so really, like when it comes down to those ancestors, it's it's exposing it's exposing youth especially to this is your way of life and it works for you and that is fantastic right. and you're gonna have to continue finding what works for you as well as understanding that could be different than anything that you've ever seen versus putting someone in a public school and saying this is exactly how you're supposed to do this question every time right, right. because that is not life. No, that exposure comment that you make, right? So we talk about exposure, and a lot of people say, uh, you know, we, we have to be careful what we expose our kids to, and I mm-hmm. agree with that. I think you have to you have to have a balance, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, we talk about, uh, you know, we're talking about holistic development. Uh, there's a book I'm uh, reading the other uh, day. Uh, it was about the holistic underdevelopment of people, mm. right? Uh, shout out to Dr. Cooper. Um, but I was just wondering, like, so exposure, and I know you talk about Trinity students going to different places, mm-hmm. right? And I think about that from a perspective of a teacher at a Title I school, right? The things we expose students to. And it was interesting uh, because I think about, like, Explore UT. This is a program they have at UT. And it's not a shout-out to UT. It's just a, it's a, it's a, a point. And we took kids from our school to the campus to to walk around to mm-hmm. touch things and I it was amazing to watch kids stand in the middle of what would be considered a utopia ah indeed right yeah and then have that aha moment where they they just realized oh snap this place is real yes like I just touched a dream a yeah early, right? yeah yeah and that didn't require a passport Right. I mean, because you can, obviously, you can leave this country in the library, but very few people are going to those places. Right. Right. Um, 
So will you touch some more about, touch on that uh, exposure, like some other ways maybe, or yeah. just, just expound on a little bit more? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you could always say go to a different country, but in a place like San Antonio... You can go from Alamo Heights to the east side. Right. You can go from the east side to the west side. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? You could go from you could go from Martin Luther King mm-hmm. and you could go down south, right? So you could go from perhaps even like a more black community to a more Hispanic community. What are those differences? What are those people like? Why are they like that? What types of values have been passed down? Right. That have influenced these individuals. Now, granted, look, like, there's plenty of people out there that believe, especially in the wake, unfortunately, of these shootings, that each individual is the, essentially, the decider of whatever they do. But at the same time, I don't think that that knocks out what socialization does to people. For instance, athletes who are extremely violent based on the culture in which they've been raised in, right? right? Like some people or individuals, domestic abuse, right? And how that is essentially inherited or passed down because people think it's okay. So, I mean, I just, I'm not saying anyone's wrong, not wrong for anything, but like that type of socialization can go either way. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can do it from home. You could do it. I mean, reading, sure. I think people might, and this is the first time I've ever had this thought, but, but you know, social media, maybe it can help. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like internet culture becomes something of its own on right, its own. Right, it's Some, level something that I don't understand itself because a meme takes on all these ascribed meanings that right. I don't know everything that that actually means. Whereas a book takes on a different meaning for me and for you. Right, yeah. I mean, probably a little bit of a difference between each of us, but mm-hmm. also a difference between you and your son. Right, exactly, yeah. You know? Um, but in a lot of ways that exposure could be just to different people. Like someone who, someone who is still a person, right? Which is obviously everyone, but someone that, I mean, say for instance, what I have ever growing up, like wanted to go have a conversation with say a homeless person. Well, probably not because the. Um, and now granted, you know, being raised Catholic and stuff, like everyone still has, deserves respect and everything, but you also think about the other messages that you get that, especially when we think about the ideologies of class in, in society and those, those, if you're homeless, that probably means that you made poor decisions, especially if you're raised in Texas, oh, that you made poor decisions. You don't, you, you probably deserve that. Right. right. Whereas now we're seeing that a lot of these individuals have some sort of either, you know, a mental illness or whatever. But some people just choose to do that. True. Like sit someone down and be like, OK, this is a person just because they're they they live their life differently, extremely differently. Right. Doesn't mean that they don't deserve respect, nor does it mean that we can't gain insight and knowledge about the human experience right. that we apparently all experience from this individual. And right. that. Like, it's essentially closing the gap. Okay. Is how I see it. Because historically, like, everyone's always going to be different. There's always going to be people doing things that people think are wrong or right. Um, But if we can continue closing that gap between it, then we all understand one another better. Right. And hopefully that increases the chances of a more collective understanding progressive and I'm not saying progressive in the sense of you know liberal necessarily but progressing just society as a whole so that right. everyone's quality of life can become better right versus right. a discrepancy in the quality of life right right that's kind of like they used to say in athletics I know you will appreciate this one 
you know, you can run in place, right? Mm -hmm. Never mistake movement for progress, right? Ooh. You can be running in place. Yes. Not corner anywhere, right? Yeah. Until they blow the whistle and you hit your stomach and get back up. Right. right. They call that an up-down. <laughs> I don't call that progress. I don't either. <laughs> right. I call it pain. <laughs> it's pain. Exactly. <laughs> Just thinking about it. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> hit it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, ah. oh, if you blow that whistle one more time, right? How many of these things are we going to do? Uh... No, but I, I, man, that is that is fantastic, and I know you got to get out of here. Uh, and so, if you have any final thoughts on how to build great ancestors, how do people follow you? How do they find out more about mm. the man? Uh, yeah, I mean, just the last little piece is just. I feel like everything in life is about balance. Okay. I mean, absolutely everything, and it can be transposed in a lot of ways. I use the weight room as a as a nice kind of. I, I I pull a lot of lessons from that too, and they all they all seem to work. But that that is just another. If you can impart that to individuals, mm -hmm. um, I think that that always helps. Um, but to contact me, I mean, I'm on my email um, is d as in Dominic Mores M O R A I S at gmail or at trinity edu. Um, I'm on Instagram in, Instagram Brainy Braun. Um, B-R-A-I-N-Y-B-R-A-W-N I'm a little bit more brainy than brawn these days unfortunately but I'm working on it um, but yeah I'd love to just shoot the bull with anyone who wants to shoot it man that is fantastic we appreciate you as always looking forward to something great yes uh, y'all tune in uh, later on we're going to have some, uh, some things to drop on you some old uh, behind the Whistle Bombs, we appreciate y'all for tuning in to the first ever Behind the Whistle Presents the Ooh. Ancestor Architect Podcast with Dr. Dominic Moraes from Trinity University in San Antonio, Texas. Go Tigers. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, what a blessing it is to be able to share such an experience with Dr. Dominic Moraes. We are grateful to him for joining us today for a great conversation. It is a blessing to have a beacon of light very near to us and be, to be able to engage with him in conversations inside and outside of sport is just a tremendous blessing in our lives. We hope that you all were blessed by this conversation. We look forward to having more conversations with Dr. Moraes in the future. We look forward to sharing many other conversations with uh, several people in this uh, season zero of the Ancestor Architect podcast presented by Behind the Whistle. As always, our goal is to discover how people and organizations build great ancestors. This is Behind the Whistle. Thank you for listening. See you next time.